Okay, let me talk to you about something almost as important as UK football. (laughs) I'm really excited about this. I'm really excited because I heard we had a bunch of people from the first service go uh, pick up a copy of the DVD. And I want to tell you a little bit about this, what this is and underline what Dolly said. So I spent about a month looking at the book of Philippians and asking the question, what might God be saying to us through his letter in today's world? And then I wrote a script for seven, seven lessons over Paul's letter to the Philippians over a theme of the overflowing life. We then recorded them and put them on these DVDs, and they're also going to be on YouTube, so you don't even have to have this. And then after we, we produced it, we then watched the video and went back and looked at what were the main ideas and thoughts behind the study and then and put together this guide with questions for reflection. Here's the beautiful thing about this. This is our opportunity as people in our congregation to grow deeper in Christ, but it's also an opportunity to reach people outside the church because what we're just asking people to do is just to grab one and sit down and watch it with anybody anywhere. You don't have to do it in the building. not to be church people. You can be here for the first time today and grab one of these DVDs and just watch it yourself or watch it with your spouse, watch it with friends. Let me tell you what I'm going to do with it. One of my people in my group is sitting here this morning. Raise your hand, Jamie. That was wimpy. Come on, put your hand up in there. Come on. I'm going to make it. Jamie has a basement with some old couches in it, and uh, Jamie and I are runners, and we're getting some runners together who we run with to come watch the DVD and to do it together. So anybody can do it. You don't have to be a leader. You just put David in the box. David will talk. And then you talk about what David talked about and read the Bible. I I promise you it will be a great thing. So who's in? Raise your hand. Awesome. If you do that, we won't have enough DVDs. That's fantastic. All right. Are you ready for the Apostle Paul this morning? I'm ready. Let me read the scripture. Let's stand up for the reading of the word. And we'll get into the subject matter. This is the story of the Apostle Paul. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest, and he requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. And as he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down from around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. This is the reading of the word, and God's people did say, you may be seated. You know, sometimes I think that we are mistaken about how success occurs. We get the wrong idea. We think that life is like Jack and the Beanstalk. We find some magic beans. We plant them in the ground. And then the next day we're holding a goose that lays golden eggs. We believe in overnight success. But the reality is in real life there are no magic beans and there are no 
geese that lay golden eggs, there is no such thing as an overnight success. Anything worthwhile accomplishing in life requires effort and hard work. And so if you just turned on ESPN last night and you saw Kentucky win and break a 31-year streak of losing to Florida, you don't see the backstory. You just see the coach hugging his players and the celebration, the wild, crazy celebration. You don't see what took place before it. You just see the moment of success. But what you don't see is that Bob Stutes grew up in a football family. Uh, he's dedicated his life. He went to a program uh, that struggled for years, committed himself to it, worked failure, failure, public criticism, up and down, up and down, up and down, until finally he arrived at a moment of success. You see, for that win yesterday, there's an incredible backstory. All success in life, great moments of achievement, have a backstory. And nothing could be more true than for the person of the Apostle Paul. Consider his record. If you read the book of Acts, half of the book of Acts is about his life and his missionary journeys. 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament are attributed to the Apostle Paul. Paul planted churches all over the Roman Empire. Paul effectively took what was a Jewish religion and translated it into the philosophy and the culture of the Greco-Roman world. Arguably, when we look at Western civilization and those who've had an influence on it, and especially on Christianity itself, arguably you might say that the Apostle Paul is second in influence only to the person of Jesus Christ himself. Without the Apostle Paul, this church would not be here and we would not probably not be calling ourselves Christians. But what we don't see is that Paul had a backstory. And it's really powerful when you look at his story and you understand his background and how he became the man that he became. Why is this important? It's important because if God could pick a man who persecuted Christians for their faith and turn him into someone who proclaimed Christ and plant churches all over the Roman Empire. Imagine what God could do with your life and with my life. He was the most unlikely candidate that anyone could imagine could be chosen to become uh, an apostle for Jesus Christ. The other reason this is so powerfully important is if you ever in your lifetime doubt God's capacity to change your heart, God's capacity to drive out unhealthy things in your life, God's capacity to help you overcome your bad habits or things that you want to change in your life, all you have to do is look at Paul and know that if God can change a hater into a lover, he can change your life too because this love is a powerful, transforming, forgiving force. And why is this important? Because next week, I'm going to open up his beautiful letter to the Philippians, which is one of the most encouraging letters that have ever been written in human history. And we're going to read from it, and I want you to know his backstory. Now, if you look through Paul's letters uh, and the, apostle, the Acts of the Apostles, you won't find just one biographical statement. 
you'll find snippets here and there about Paul's life. So what I've done for your benefit this morning to learn his backstory is I've pulled together and cobbled together his story. Uh, Let me share it with you. This is what Paul said about himself. I am a Jew, born in Tarsus in Sicilia, a citizen of an important city. I was circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, brought up in Jerusalem, and educated strictly according to our ancestral law. I advanced in Judaism beyond many among my people of, of the same age, and being zealous for God, persecuted this way up to the point of death by binding both men and women and putting them in prison. Now let's take a moment and let me explain to you what Paul has just said about himself. Here is a map of where Paul lived. This is the world that Paul lived in. Do you see where Jerusalem is down at the bottom corner of the map? Do you see the city of Tarsus up here on the corner of the map? That part is where Paul was born in the city of Tarsus. And this is pretty significant to understanding his story and how God chose him. Tarsus is today in Turkey, and it's right there on the Mediterranean Sea. And it was a really, really important city because it was a highway between east and west, a major trade route. Because it was a major trade route, it was very important to the Roman Empire because they needed that trade route to successfully move trade and soldiers back and forth across the empire. Therefore, they needed the loyalty of Tarsus. And in order to win the loyalty of that community, they granted the citizens of Tarsus two amazing gifts. The first thing is anyone in Tarsus who was a landowner or a major business owner, was granted the gift of Roman citizenship. Only 10% of the people who lived in the Roman Empire had this gift. The second thing they then granted for the citizens of Tarsus was they made it a free city. A free city meant that they had the right to govern themselves But it also meant they didn't have to pay federal taxes to the empire. Now, can you imagine if the president of the United States declared Louisville to be a free city? What would happen? The economic boom. And would people want to live here? The city would grow dramatically. By the time the Apostle Paul was born and raised in the city of Tarsus, Tarsus had a population of more than 200,000 people. Now, as a result of being a free city and being Roman citizens, it also attracted the arts. It became a cultural center for Greek thought and Greek philosophy. It became a cultural center for intellectual development, and there were great schools in the city of Tarsus. So Paul was born in a place where people were coming from east and west from all cultures. He was educated in Greek philosophy and Greek thought. And at the same time, Paul was Jewish. But at the time, his parents gave him the name Saul. He had a Jewish name and he had a Roman name. You can see why Paul would change names after his conversion because in order to reach people in the Greco-Roman world, he used his Roman name. As a Jewish man, young man growing up in Tarsus, his parents made a decision. They sent him to Jerusalem 
to become a rabbi at the age of 13. He was very ambitious, and he entered the school of one of the leading rabbis of the time who had a great influence over Jewish life and traditions. He was trained there, and he was educated there. Now, you look at Paul's story, and you ask yourself, why would God choose Paul? Well, look at all the different pieces of his life, and let's think about it for a minute. He's a Roman citizen. He's educated in Greek philosophy and thought. He speaks the Greek language. He's also educated as a Jewish man who's able to read the Hebrew scriptures. So think about this for a minute. If you're going to choose someone to plant churches all over the world, you need a Greek-speaking Jew who's able to translate the gospel into a Greek language and is able to argue with Greek philosophy and also argue and debate Jewish tradition and history and know scripture. And also you look at his story and you realize he was ambitious and passionate person. What a perfect combination to take Paul and put him in this place. So you look at Paul, so people go, how could, the, the disciples were scared of him. But that's because God could see what no one else could see. God could see the big picture. All these various puzzle pieces that God was able to bring together and to use to share the gospel all over the world. Now, now, why is this relevant? This is not just a history lesson. I'm sure this perhaps is interesting. But there's a reason I share this with you. If you look at your life and the different parts of your life, they may seem disconnected. There may be parts of your life that you want to cast out, that you don't want to remember, that you want to forget. But the reality is that God is creative. And that with God, nothing in our past is wasted. Not even the painful moments of our life. But everything that's a part of your life, your education, uh, your parents, where you were raised, the school that you went to, the sports team that you rooted for, anything. You see, God has placed you somewhere in the world and has given you all these gifts and things that God can use and pull together in ways that you can't dream or imagine so that you can speak for him. What can God do with the puzzle pieces that are a part of your life? Let me give you an example. Pat Bowles is a friend of mine, and he lives in Douglas Hills. This is Pat's backstory. Pat is brilliant in physics and math and had a distinguished career at GE as an engineer. Pat also is Roman Catholic, and he attends Epiphany. At Epiphany, Pat had an epiphany and left his work, his lucrative career as an engineer, to become a teacher at St. X, teaching young men math and physics. After Pat left Trinity, he then went to become the president of Presentation Academy. But then something unexpected happened to Pat. In the prime of his teaching career, Pat had a major debilitating stroke. Pat was, had to go back to teaching, 
but he was unable to manage the classroom because of the impact of the stroke. Now Pat is looking at his life. What are are all these things? How did God use all these things? Let me tell you that right now, all over Kentucky and other parts of the United States, there are students attending some excellent universities on outstanding scholarships because Pat Bowles became the greatest ACT coach in the history of the universe. And there are a lot of grateful parents who are absolutely grateful to Pat because he took them from here to there. They got into a university, the university of their dreams, and changed the courses of these students' history and future and got them enough scholarship money for them to be able to attend these universities. Pat's greatest legacy, greatest legacy perhaps is not all these, but how God brought all this together and gave him a passion and a patience to work with students, average students, to turn him into great students. I'm a grateful parent. Pat spent a year with my son, and today I'm not as desperately poor as I could be because of Pat. That's what God can do. If God can take all the parts of Paul's life and turn him into a preacher, what can God do with your life? And and let me make this broader point. The broader point is this. Sometimes people wonder, what does God want me to do with my life? Sometimes the best way to discover what God wants you to do with your life is, first of all, look, where am I? What's around me? Who is around me? Who can I touch? Who can I influence? And what do I have to give? You look back at the different parts of your life and ask God to bring it together, to use it for his glory and for his purpose. Now, now the second part I would tell you about Paul and his life is this, to make the second point, where does Paul first show up in the story? Paul shows up in the seventh chapter of the book of Acts. There's a preacher by the name of Stephen who is an apostle, who's been appointed by the apostles to follow Christ. And Stephen is preaching the gospel and the religious leadership become outraged at his preaching and condemn him to death. So there in the seventh chapter, the first time we read of Paul's life, he is standing there in front of Stephen as he's being stoned to death. Now when we read this story, we might think that he was a hapless bystander, but he wasn't. He was an active participant. He was there holding their coats, but for good reason, because he was the one who had been a Pointed to preside over the public execution. It was not mob rule. He was there to officiate the death. And then in the beginning of chapter 8, we read that a massive persecution broke out against the church, and Saul was the one leading the effort. And then in the ninth chapter, we read the story where he did meet Christ. We read the story, it says, that he heard there was a movement taking place for Christian followers in Damascus, in Damascus would be over to the right of the map. It was 135 miles from Jerusalem, and he got papers from the Jewish leadership to go to Damascus to bind and arrest Christians, to go from house to house to arrest them, to bring them back to Jerusalem. Now, an interesting question might be to ask ourselves, and there's multiple scenarios that we could point to, is why did Paul do this? 
Why would he find reason to persecute Christians for their faith? Lots of reasons. But here's one in particular I believe may be true. Uh, Adam Hamilton wrote a book on the subject called Called to Follow Christ. And in the book he said that Paul was blinded by ambition. When a person is blinded by ambition, they're about making a name for themselves. It says in Paul's letters in multiple places that Paul was extremely ambitious. And even though Paul tries to deny, uh, Paul says, I'm now humbled, Paul throughout the letters does tend to brag about himself a little bit. And he was very ambitious. And many believe that Paul basically was persecuting Christians actively because what he was trying to do was make a name for himself in order to be appointed to the Sanhedrin, to the ruling council. Get a few scalps and be appointed to a top position. Why is it relevant? Could it be that anybody of us have ever experienced ambition in a negative way? There's a difference between healthy ambition and blind ambition. Ambition is when we're concerned about achieving something for some common good. Blind ambition is about where we're trying to make ourselves look good. That can happen in your work, your job. You know, if you ever in your life had a hard time celebrating the success of another person because when they succeeded it made you feel somehow or another less than yourself, I'm sure nobody here has ever felt that way. Why did they, you know, why not me, right? Why did they get the promotion, not me? Well, let me, let me share my, so let me go first. The problem with being a minister is um, we're subject to pride and ego the same as everyone, anyone else. And when I first became a minister, I've always struggled with, with wanting to be at the top of the leaderboard, just not in a company. You know, I wanted to be the pastor of a church that had the most members, new members in the Christian church, Disciples of Christ. And so when I was in Little Rock, Arkansas, this little struggling church really grew dramatically from about 30 people to 100 in worship. And, and they were giving out awards at the regional assembly for the most dramatic growth in the region. And our church was the church. And we went to the assembly and they started, they started listening. Church number five, church number four, church number three, Number two, and then I just felt, you know how you feel, I just kind of got hot in the face, all right, here's our moment, you know, we're going to, ooh, this is going to be great, you know, and they didn't name us. Do you know why? The secretary in the regional office made a clerical error and somehow lost our paperwork. You wouldn't believe how mad I was. And I was embarrassed by how angry I was. And here's the truth, I was called to follow Christ. I have been called to make a name for Jesus, not make a name for myself. And blind blind ambition in me is just plain sinful and wrong. I have been called to build his church and not my church. And because I'm just as, ask Jamie, am I I competitive? I was so mad this week at him because we we did a run and he beat me by two seconds. I wanted to punch him in the face. That's just not even fair. I was ahead of him for four, seven, 16 miles. and mile 17, he dials it down. He's sandboxing me. Come on, man. I'm like anybody else. But here's what happened to Paul. Jesus reached out to him and says, I don't want you to be ambitious for yourself. Turn all that passion for me. 
Now, one last thing. There's this really interesting line. Three times in the book of Acts, Paul talks about his conversion. And in Acts chapter 26, Paul uses this unusual phrase that I've never understood what it meant. He says to the king Agrippa, he says, I had this experience. I was persecuting the church. This is testimony that I am, that the way is true way. If God can change me, he can change anybody. Christ met me on the road to Damascus and said, Paul, why are you kicking against the goads? And I go, what is a goat? Why is he kicking a goat? I don't understand. Here's what a goat is. Long pointed stick. In that culture, when they were driving oxen, the ox driver would have this big long stick. And he would tap the hind quarter of the oxen with the stick to get it to move in this direction. Or you tap it on this hind quarter to get it to move in this direction. And it was a pleasant experience for the ox. But if the ox kicks against the goad, just use your imagination how unpleasant that might be to be jabbed in the hind quarter by a sharp stick. After a point of time, the ox learns if you kick against the desire of the ox driver, it's going to be painful for you. So it's less painful to go the direction that the ox driver will lead you. You know what Jesus is saying? Saul, why do you keep resisting me? Why do you not take my directions? Why do you keep hurting yourself by choosing your own way in your own direction? Paul, would you surrender your life to me and let me guide you? That's what he's saying. I think that's really a powerful thing. If we think about one more life lesson, it is this, is that God does still goad us. He uses the Bible to goad us. He will use, us, use a crisis. He will use emptiness when you feel empty on the inside sometimes God uses the emptiness to nudge us this way or that way but as long as we continue to choose our own direction we will continue to kick against the goads and wound ourselves sometimes God uses friends sometimes God uses adversity sometimes it's our conscience so I'd ask you three questions this morning what can God do with the pieces of your life? What could happen if you began to allow your ambition to be about making Christ great rather than yourself great? And what would happen if you stopped kicking against the goads? That's the backstory to the Apostle Paul. And here's my ask for you this morning. I would ask that you would offer your life to Christ today your past, your present, your future. That you would ask him to direct your life and your choices. And I would ask that you would commit to a time of deeper commitment to him to know him. To know Christ is to know your purpose. To know Christ brings peace. And to know and remember that if God's love is big enough to change Paul and use him... Imagine what he can do with you. You still have time to write your story.